We are North Rock Church, where we exist to see lives redefined by being filled with life in Christ. From wherever you are listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Um, In the fall of 2019, Alicia and I were able to do something that we had been dreaming about doing for some years. We had been dreaming for probably eight or nine years about taking a trip to to Italy, and it actually, there was actually a, one year that we thought we were going to be able to do it, but uh, it didn't work out for a lot of reasons, kids, money, all sorts of things, the church, um, but, but we were finally able to make this trip happen to Italy in the fall of 2019, so we flew into Rome, and uh, we trained from Rome to Florence, Italy, and we saw some cool things. We didn't spend the night in Florence. We just spent a day there. We saw a David, which is important. If you're going to go to Florence, you need to see David. If you know, you know. Um, but, but then we, 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 caught, we rented a car from Florence, and we drove down into Tuscany, into like the hills like of central Tuscany, this beautiful, beautiful, you know, no, uh, 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 beautiful region in, in, the, in the center of Italy. And uh, we stayed in a little village there for a few nights. And, and uh, the first day that we were there in Tuscany, we, spent, we just spent the day in the village. But the second day, we, we got in our car that we had rented and we drove down to Siena, which is this, this tiny little town. It's just magnificent in the middle of Tuscany. And we, 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 we hung out in Siena for the day. And about five o'clock in the afternoon, um, we got in our car and we drove to uh, another little Italian town called Panzano. Because I had been watching Netflix and I had seen a show called Chef's Table on Netflix and there was, there was a chef on there named uh, Dario Caccini, uh, Caccini as they would say, and, and, and on a whim when I was watching that show that night, we weren't even sure if we were going to Italy as I recall, but I went online and I reserved us a table for the time that we were thinking about going. And or else I probably wouldn't have been able to get a table. But but we had about an hour drive from Siena uh, to Panzano. Now we had left again. We had left our, our little village in the morning, probably about nine a.m. and gone to Siena. Spent the day there, and uh, we didn't have any way to charge our phones. We didn't have any way to charge our phones in our in our in our in our you know villa that we were staying in. Of course we did, but the car the car situation everything's a little bit different. Of course. In Italy, and I, I, there were some things I knew, some things I did not know, but I didn't have a way to charge our our phones uh, in our car. Now, my phone battery generally just lasts forever, but something about the way my phone was having to work like really, really hard to stay connected to networks, my phone slowly began, the charge began to completely run out. And so we, we go to Siena, we drive using our GPS to this little town called Panzano, where Dario Caccini has his restaurant, and um, uh, Ponzano was this beautiful place. I mean, this is, this is kind of from, from, from the hillside up in Ponzano, taking down just, just kind of what you would think of when you think of, you know, the rolling hills uh, of Tuscany with the vineyards and whatnot. Just magnificent, gorgeous, beautiful sunset that night. This is a picture of the restaurant that we, and some of you might have seen either this picture or you might know about this place, but what he does is he's like, he's like, he's called like the butcher or something like that. And like, he's known for making all sorts of, um, using all the different parts of the cow and cooking all, and we, we, you know, we're eating all this pasta all week. So I 
wanted me some protein. Um, and so uh, this Mississippi boy wanted some protein. And so here's a close-up picture of, of that protein. Oh my, look at, look at all that. Look at, he's already got them up there cooking. I mean, it was next level, amazing, amazing stuff. For some of y'all, y'all are like, Ugh, but not for me, man. I mean, that was, that, that kind of stuff just, just lights me up. So any, anyway, uh, we're here, we're here and uh, we have dinner here and, and after dinner, we have to drive another hour back to our village where we're staying. And we know that we're starting to run low on battery. Like we know we're, oh my gosh, we're a little, we're a little nervous. We're wanting to take pictures. Of course, we're in Italy. So we're wanting to take pictures of everything. We're like videoing everything. Let's video them as they, as they cook the food. We're just wanting to video everything, but we realize we're not going to have enough battery to follow our map to get us back to our village if we are not careful. And so we start trying to conserve, to conserve battery life. So the evening progresses, and finally we, it's time to leave. It's about 10 o'clock that night, 9.45, before we finally get in our car and we start driving back through the now dark Tuscan Hills, which of course it's literally, it's just, it's just this winding road, narrow little roads that go up and down and all around. And there's no way for you to know where you are. I mean, these signs are all in Italian. So if I don't have a little blue dot telling me where to go, then I don't know where to go. And so um, we're praying, we're just believing by faith that God's favor is going to shine on us and our, our phone battery is not going to die, even though we watched it go to 2%. One percent, and I'm like, but my phone goes to one percent. It stays at one percent a long time. It ain't gonna die. It ain't gonna die. I'm claiming it by faith. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it died. It died. Her phone died, and we didn't know what to do. I mean, we we're like, well, what are we gonna do now? So it's like a Wednesday night, as I recall, like a Tuesday or Wednesday. I think it was a Wednesday night, and it's like ten fifteen at night. And we're going through these tiny little towns. Nobody's moving around. I mean, the, everybody is sleeping. There's no cats, no dogs, no humans, no nothing. And we're finally, we're on the road. We know we're currently on the right road, but we know we have to at some point turn off the road. And so we go through this little, little town and we're thinking, I think maybe if we'll just keep our eyes peeled, maybe we'll, we'll see something. But again, everything's in, in Italian and um, I don't read or speak Italian. And so we, we realized when we got through that particular little town, I have no idea what the name of it was, that we were, we were, we were lost. Like we, we were messed up. And so we literally just pulled over on the side of the road and we just stopped. And we're sitting there looking at each other like, it's kind of funny, but it's not funny. You know, the idea of being lost in Italy sounds romantic, doesn't it? <laughs> and then you get lost in Italy and it's just really not nearly as sexy as it seems like it might would be. It's not really that romantic. Like, in the moment, nobody's thinking, oh, but we're in Italy. No, no, it's 10, 15 at night. We got to get back to our place because we actually got to pack up because the next morning we were driving back to Florence to catch a train to go down to the Amalfi Coast. So we were like, we, we, I, I don't know what to do. Like, we have no idea where to turn. Of course, we don't have a paper map. You would think somebody as old as me would know you better have a paper map, son. But, but I didn't. We were just trusting, trusting technology. 
Finally, we decided to go back into the town that we had just come through. We get back into town, and there's this tour bus sitting on the side of the road. Like, there's nobody moving around, y'all, but there's a tour bus, and we see people coming, like, down a hill getting in the bus. I'm like, well, I'm going to just stop. And Surely, if it's a tour bus, there's got to be some Americans. Probably some Americans. I get out. I'm walking up. Anybody speak English? Hello? Hello? And they're just looking at me. Not one person on that tour bus was from the United States of America. And I'm like, how can this be? What are the chances that not one tourist, not one tourist from the U.S., but nobody spoke English. Finally, some driver was, the driver was like able to communicate with me enough to tell me if I would walk up the hill to the restaurant that they had eaten at, which is actually more like a little house. And it was closed. I mean, it was completely closed because it was so late. They had had some kind of event there. But he said, there's people still in there. Or he, he kind of helped me understand there are people still there and they might be able to help you. I'm like, well, okay, at this point I'll do anything. So I go up the hill in the dark and I, I walk around this house restaurant and the door's locked. So I start just walking around the house and I see a light in a window, and I walk up to the window, and there's someone washing dishes on the other side of the window. And I, I did what you thought I would. I, was just, I rapped on the window from the outside. And, then, and of course, he's like startled, and he, he looks at me like, and I'm like, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy, but I'm not, sure this, I'm not sure this helped. But I was able to convince him that I really wasn't some crazy guy roaming around in the night. And and he came and let me in, and I'm, again, not major language barrier, and he didn't speak much English either, but I was able to, I was trying to say the name of the place, and it's amazing how, I mean, just in Italy, things are different. I mean, like, names are different. Like, the city of Florence, we know it as Florence, Italy. Well, there, some of you know it, it's Firenze. It's not even spelled the same way. Like, the first time we got on a train, I'm like, we're going to Florence, not Firenze. <laughs> but it's the same place, after all. But it was this, so there's this constantness. So I'm saying the name of the, the little village that we're supposed to go. Finally, he figures out where he thinks I'm trying to go. And he gets his phone out, puts the directions in. And so I get a piece of paper, analog style, with a pen. And I'm, I draw on a piece of paper what his phone is telling me to do. And uh, looking at it as, as best I could. And, and we wound up on dirt roads. We wound up, I mean, where no humans were at all. It was, we were nervous. Um, but somehow, miraculously, we were able to make our way back to a little community that was close enough to the village we were in that we, we actually knew where we needed to go after that. It's crazy. It's a crazy story because, like, we knew where we wanted to go, where we needed to go, right? We, we, we thought we had directions, we assumed that we had the tools that we needed <coughs> to get us to where we needed to go. But our tools failed us. What we were following failed us. How many of you know sometimes what we follow fails us? And we wound up lost. Like we wound up, we thought we knew what was going on, but we wound up feeling hopeless and helpless on the side of the road. We all get lost, don't we? We all get lost. In fact, every one of us at some point in our life, we all get lost. Come on, Boverde, you know it. Midtown, you know it. It might not be physically or geographically, but emotionally, right? Spiritually, feeling like we have no purpose or trying to find our purpose. Maybe we thought we had some purpose, but we were following the wrong things only to discover that after those things failed us, that we're just sitting on the side of the road going, what now? 
It could be that we've reached a crossroads moment in our life where there's like a job opportunity or an opportunity to move or maybe we lost a job or maybe there's a new relationship or maybe you lost a relationship and you just feel you're at a place where you just kind of feel lost. I'm just not really sure what, what to do. Maybe, maybe some of us ha- have realized recently that the pace that we're living is not sustainable. Maybe that the path that we are on, the direction that we are going, is not taking us where we feel like we need to go. It's not taking us where we thought it was taking us. And we, we sit on the side of the road feeling overwhelmed. Some of us are exhausted. You're, you're just exhausted. By the way, the night before that day that we got lost, jet lag had hit me the third night and I didn't sleep like at all. So I had zero sleep the night before and I was sitting on the side of the road with zero sleep from, from like two days before uh, since, since like the last two days and, and, and not knowing where to do. Some of us feel that way. You just feel exhausted because of the season that you've been through. Maybe a painful divorce that you have been through. Or a health crisis, and you're just tired. Listen to me, listen to me. It's during these crossroad moments that we have to, we have to pause. We need to get our bearings. And I want to declare to someone today who's watching online or at one of our locations that your life matters. Even if you feel lost and you're not sure where to go or what to do, you need to know that your life has purpose. God has a plan for your life, and he does not intend for you to be sitting on the side of the road, stranded and broken down. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Like you have an enemy that wants to steal your purpose. He wants, to, he wants to cause you to head down paths that are dead ends. And eventually you'll realize it and not know what to do. That makes him happy. Like he wants to kill. He wants to destroy the meaning that, you've, you, that your life has. But Jesus said, but I have come. I have come that they might have life. Like life and not just life where you're just surviving or barely, you know, barely getting by. But he wants you to have life to the full. Like he wants you to be thriving in your life. So if you feel like today that you're just barely getting by and barely surviving, you've come to the right place because I have a message of hope for you. I have a message for ho- of hope for you. In Jeremiah chapter 29, Jeremiah chapter 29, God speaks to the prophet Jeremiah and says, I know the plans I have for you. I love that. I know the plans I have for you. You need to understand that God has plans for your life. Do you know that? Do you feel that today? And I know that you might be thinking, yeah, well, he might have at one point had plans, but I wasted so much. You know, my best years are behind me. Or you might be thinking, but I'm so young. Maybe there are plans somewhere way off in the future, but I doubt that he has any plans right now. Listen to me. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And don't let the enemy lie to you and say that you're too young, because what will happen is you'll be too young, and then suddenly the enemy will be lying to you and say, now you're too old. There's never be that sweet spot. 
I know all about that sweet spot. I'm too young, I'm too young, I'm too young. Mm, Now I'm too old, I'm too old, I'm too old, I'm too old. That's the trick of the enemy. God has a plan and a purpose for your life right now, wherever you are, whatever age you are, whatever school you're going to, wherever you're working, whatever neighborhoods you're living in, God has a plan for your life. And they are plans for good, the scripture says, not for disaster. God wants to give you a future, a future and a Hope, and we've trusted in so many things that have failed us, right? We've trusted in the world's idea of success, you know, more money, more women or men, relationships, whatever, and, 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 and they failed us. We've, we've, we've thought that if I could just get more followers, if I could just get more likes on my picture that I took, I took 236 pictures and posted one. And if I could just get, if I could just get more likes on that picture, that will bring fulfillment. And then we've realized that it doesn't. The battery has died and you wind up sitting on the side of the road going, now what am I going to do, right? What I thought was going to take me where I wanted to go is not at all taking me where I want to go. I I, I want you to know today that you have a God who has plans for your life. And if you'll follow him, if you will use him as your GPS, he will take you into those plans and you will have fulfillment and you will sense purpose. You will have life and life to the full like you have always dreamed of it. And I know that there are people here today who are questioning that. You're questioning how you could have value, how your life could really have meaning. We question that for so many reasons because of sin from our past, mistakes that we've made. Sometimes we question our value because of mistakes that we continue to make, right? Because we continue to have issues in our life. One of the mantras that we declare here at North Rock is is that we all have issues. Everybody has issues. We just bring ours to church. Everybody has issues. All of God's children have issues. Well, Verdi, I want you to hear that. Midtown, you need to know that. Everybody's got issues. If you don't think you have issues, you know what that is. That's your first issue. Everybody has issues. We just, we just bring ours to church. And, and, and you need to understand that just because you have issues in your life, just because you have problems in your life, that does not mean that your life does not have incredible, incalculable value to your creator. Don't ever confuse your perception of yourself with the amazing fact that your God loves you. He accepts you like you are. He loves you too much to leave you that way. And he has purpose and plans for your life. I want to give you quickly here. I want to give you four four reasons, four like like signs, like they're evidences, if you will, that you are loved and valued by your creator. Four reasons that you should be using him as your GPS. And the first one is simply this, the creation that you are. You are an unbelievable creation, an amazing creation. Psalm chapter 19, verse number one, David is talking about our world and the beauty in our world. And he says, there's, there's, there were tons in this passage. I'm just going to read verse one though. Says the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. We've had some beautiful sunsets uh, recently, and every time I see an amazing sunset or amazing sunrise, I always think of this scripture and how the heavens are declaring God's glory right now. Like they are, pro- are proclaiming the works of his hands. 
We live in a beautiful, magnificent world, and and the amazing design of our world implies that we have an amazing designer. But the amazing design of our world implying that we have an amazing designer doesn't stop with just pretty white beaches or, or sunrises, but your amazing design. Like the, the, the creation that you are implies that you have an amazing, amazing designer. And I understand that sometimes we look in the mirror and we think, well, if God was so amazing, you know, he must have a sense of humor when he created me. But that is not the, that is not the case. You are not a mistake. God didn't mess up when he made you. Even if people have told you, you were a mistake. I heard that. I heard that when I was a kid. Not really in a bad way. I wasn't an illegitimate child. I was just the fifth of five kids. And the next closest was already six years old when I was born. And I had a brother who was 18 when I was born. Guys, I was a mistake. Like, it wasn't planned. Let me just say that. But I always say, there may be some mistaken parents, but there are no mistaken kids. There may be some illegitimate parents, but there are no illegitimate kids. You were created with intent and on purpose. And even if you've heard you were a mistake all of your life, you are not. God created you. He put you together. This is something that I think is so amazing about us. David actually speaks directly to this. Um, In Psalm 139, when he's talking to God and David says, you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Isn't that awesome? A picture of God working, knitting, putting you together on purpose. This is not like random chaos. This is not generic creation here, but this is a picture of God working on us. You are an amazing creation by an amazing creator. And David went on to say, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You need to know that today. You need to feel that today. The amazing creation that you are speaks directly to the fact that you are valued, that you are loved, and that you have a creator who has a purpose for your life. The same God that created this universe and everything in it who flung the stars into the sky, also put you together. You are a masterpiece, and you have his name attached. Our world is, our world is consumed with, with brand names and, and labels, aren't we? Like, what are you wearing? You're, you're wearing Dolce & Gabbana? What? what no, it's... it's, it's uh, so well, well, give me a brand here. It's Old Navy. That'll work. It's Old Navy. <laughs> oh, is that a Rolex that you have? We're, we're consumed with, with brands. Are those off-whites? No, they're just plain old Nikes. Um, well, we, uh, well, we're consumed with brand, with brand name. names. carry weight. Same way with our cars, right? We all have, if you have a car, we all have, we all have four tires in common. Four tires, they roll forwards, they roll backwards. They're connected to an engine. There, there are wires and oil and there's fluids and, and, and pistons and it's covered by sheet metal. But eventually the thing that, that separates us all and sets us apart is the name, right? The name that's on the car. Is it a Mazda or a Maserati? You know what I'm saying? Is it a Buick or a Bentley, right? right? Is it a Toyota or a Tesla? What, 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 what is it? What, what does it say, Ford or Ferrari? What does it say? We're, we're, we're like enamored 
We're consumed with labels and marks and signatures. And I think we all understand that. That's one of the reasons I love this scripture right here where Paul says in Galatians, henceforth let no man trouble me for I bear branded on my body the marks of Jesus. The marks of Jesus. I've got his signature all over my life. Everything I am speaks to an amazing creator who has put his signature on my life. When I look at you and I see your talents, And I see your gifts and I see your smile. I see Jesus all over you. And I see the freedom that you have and the hope that you have. I might be worthless to some people, but I'm priceless to my creator. He's put his signature on my life. He claims me as his masterpiece. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 2, Paul says, we are God's masterpiece. I love that. I don't have a right To declare my own worth, my own value. You don't have a right to declare my value. My creator is the only one that has a right. And he says this about me. He says, I am his masterpiece. The amazing creation that I am reveals that God loves me and has a plan for my life. Next here, got to move on to people that I meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I know that, that God like, values me and loves me and has purpose for me? The people that I've come in contact with in my life. Every one of us have a story. Every one of us, we've met people that have brought us to where we are. We grew up in a particular house that brought us to where we are. Whether it was good experiences or bad experiences, the people that I meet, Psalm chapter 37, 23 says, a person's steps are directed by the Lord. You think that your life is just random chaos. God has a way of ordering our steps. When I was 15 years old, I met met a guy. It's a long story, and I'm going to make it really short. But I met a guy who introduced me. He lived in a different city, and we became best friends. We had sports in common and music in common. And that was like, that's my sweet spot, sports and music. And so we became best friends. And he lived about two hours away in a different town. And I spent a lot of time during the summer with him and he with me. And while I was with him uh, one weekend, um, he, he introduced me to a man in his church who ultimately would move to San Antonio, Texas to plant a church. Now, this is when I'm 15, 16 years old. I'm not thinking in anything about San Antonio. I've never been to San Antonio, Texas. Barely been to Texas. Been to Dallas, Fort Worth. The only place I'd ever been in Texas at that time. I, get, I go to college. I get married. And Alicia and I are looking for something to do in ministry. And we hear that this guy that I had met through my random friend had moved to San Antonio to plant a church. I called him and say, hey, we'll come for free. You ain't got to give us nothing. I feel like you probably could use some help. And we'd love to be involved in ministry from the ground up. And so God brought us to San Antonio, Texas. We lived here for two and a half years. Never thought we would ever come back. We were gone in Louisiana and in East Texas and then in Austin for 10 years. And some 14 years later, God drops a dream in my heart. As you saw on the radio, as I'm, as, I'm sorry, on the video, as we're driving through the north central part of San Antonio, Texas to move back to San Antonio and plant a life-giving church and and I got to be honest with you, it wasn't hard for God to convince me. It was hard for, hard for me to leave the amazing place we were in Austin, but it wasn't hard for God to get me back to the city because I love this city. I'd fallen in love with this city some, you know, 14 years before because of a relationship that I happened to have 
with a kid when I was 15 years old and we became great, great friends. And so you look back over your life like I look back over my life and I say, that was a random meeting. That was a random night where we happened to be playing basketball and we wound up just kind of connecting. That was a random night, but it wasn't random. We think of it as random chaos. I just happened to meet that person, happened to come in, happened to sit next to that person on a plane. Listen, God orders our steps and we all have a story. And when you look back over your life, it's amazing how you can see God weaving your story together through the people that he's allowed you to come in contact with. We all have a story. The next one is is simply this, the circumstances I go through. The circumstances I, I go through. We all go through circumstances. And when you look back over those circumstances, you can see how they shape you and how they mold you and how they make you. Our challenges tend to change us, right? It's up to us whether it's for the good or for the bad. And really that depends on whose GPS you're following. Because if you're following God's GPS, he doesn't promise you that everything's going to be smooth sailing, right? He doesn't say, you're never going to have to walk through a valley. No, no. He just says, when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear evil because he is with me. As as a matter of fact, Psalm 23 said, he goes before me, he is with me, and then goodness and mercy follow me. Like as I walk through the valley, I'm surrounded by my God. And I don't just stop and set up a tent inside the valley. No, I walk through the valley, and when I get through on the other side, I'm better for it. I come out stronger. Whenever I was a young man or a kid, 10, 11 years old, my dad got ill, and all through my Teenage years, by the time I was 13, 14, my dad was very ill. Instead of him taking care of me, I was taking care of him. Then my mom and I were alone in the house together. Me, my mom, and my, my ill dad, who ultimately, by the time I was 18, 19, was an invalid. Couldn't do anything for himself. We took care of him, and he passed away when I was 20 years old. And I look back over at that, and I see, I can, I can see how God used that, that, that difficult story. Although, I'm going to be reunited with my dad one day. So as, as difficult as it was, we're going we're gonna to all be reunited together. And he is completely healed. And he is completely whole now. I can, I can tell you that. And I know that for a fact. But God used that. He used that to shape me. To put some resilience some resilience in me. He did. It, it, it created the man that I am today. It's amazing how the circumstances that I go through, when I look back and I see God's hand, I see God's grace, how God is masterful at taking everything. Romans 8 says, we know that God causes everything. Everybody say everything. Everything to work together for the good. For the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. All of the things that we go through, God has a way of stacking them, right? He stacks them and uses them as a foundation to get us to his purpose for our lives. Because God has plans for me. He loves me. So I got to make sure I'm following him. And the final, the final, like ultimate evidence of God's love and God's, God's value, the way that he sees me. Is simply this, number four, the cross that saved me. Come on. The cross that saved me. This is the, 
the greatest reminder. This is the ultimate evidence that God loves me, that I have incalculable worth, that my value is priceless. Some of us have this crazy misconception about God. I would venture to say there are people seated in this room on Stone Oak, down in Midtown, in Bulverde, watching online today, and you have some idea that has been planted there by the enemy that you have to jump through hoops, that you have to actually perform some type of religious tricks in order to get God to serve you the treat of grace. Kind of like this, this little dog on the video. I just had to share this with you. I just, last service, we can do this. I mean, we, we have this idea. That dog was pushing a shopping cart. That's right, he was. And what you didn't see was after he took the groceries to the car, then he wouldn't put the shopping cart back into where, you know, where the carts go. It's crazy. But you know what? He's doing it for treats, right? I mean, this is, dogs do tricks for treats. So we have this idea because we don't understand grace. We don't understand the way our God loves us, the way that he sees us. We don't understand our value. We think that I got to perform. I got to be something. Listen, it's not about you being or doing something to get God to love you. As a matter of fact, the cross happened in spite of you. <laughs> in spite of what you had done. It was because of you, but in spite of your actions. Scripture said in Colossians 2, you were dead because of your sins. Like you couldn't do anything to help yourself. God made you alive with Christ. God made you alive with Christ. The work of Jesus on the cross forgave all of your sins. You were dead. I don't know if you've ever seen someone who is deceased, but they cannot do anything to improve their situation. And Paul says, you were dead. In other words, there's nothing you could do to make your situation better but God. But God got involved and he made you alive. When he forgave your sins, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. It was nothing I did, but everything that he did. In spite of who I am, in spite of what I have done, my God loves me this much. And on my best days, I still can't do enough tricks. To earn God's grace. I am a flawed individual. I'm a messed up individual. But I still have value. I have a crisp $100 bill right here. Who wants it? Who wants it? Who wants it? All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. And we'll just see about that. We'll just see about that.
naked under there. Now, now who wants it? Now, oh, you still want it? Because you know it spins the same. It might be a little crumpled. It might have been stomped on. It might have been dropped. It might have been thrown to the ground. There may have been a divorce. It may have been an ugly divorce. You might have said some things you should not have said. You might have made some mistakes when you were in college that you've regretted for years and years and years. You might have questioned your value because you got passed over by the, for the promotion. Because the school didn't choose you, the team did not choose you. But no matter what has happened to you in your life, your value is the same. Your creator still sees you as who he created you to be, who he made you to be. You've still got a pulse. You still have a purpose. He still has a plan for your life. He still loves you just the same, just the same. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter 5 says that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still broken, while we were still in sin, while we were still making mistakes, he still died for you. Knowing who you are, knowing everything about you, he still sees the value that he put in you, that he put in you. What's your response today? Our response is simple. We just, we open our heart to him. And we say, all right, God, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of playing games here. I do feel like I've kind of pulled over to the side of the road and I'm not sure what to do. Some of you feel lost. Some of you feel a little bit helpless. Some of you know that, that you have issues and that you're, you're struggling to think that those that, that God still values you in spite of those issues, but he does. And it doesn't matter if you feel a million miles from God today, you are not, I promise you, he's right here. The book of Revelation says he knocks on our heart's door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus said. If any man would, would, would open the door, I'll come in and eat with him. Just, just open the door of your heart and let him in. There are some people here today in Stone Oak, people in Bulverde and Midtown and watching online, you need to surrender your life to Jesus. Like you need to open up and just let him in because he loves you, because he values you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He has purpose for you. He has a better life for you than you are currently living. I promise you that. Just open up and let him in. Some of you have never done that before. You've never taken that step of faith. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Some of you need to recommit your life to him. Like you need to rededicate your life to him today. You need a fresh start today. Well, this moment is for you. No matter who you are, this moment is for you. So I'd ask at all three of our physical locations, if you'd close your eyes and bow your heads. Close your eyes and bow your heads. 
Nobody looking around in this sacred moment. If you're watching online, you know who you are. You need a fresh start. You know who you are. But I want to see who we're praying for today and in our other locations. I want to see who I'm praying for. If you know you need a fresh start, you know that you need to surrender your life to Jesus, whether it's for the first time or you're rededicating your life to him. Will you just throw your hand in the air right now? Come on, hold it high. Come on, hold it high in the air. Yeah, leave it there if you don't mind. I want to see every single hand. You have value. Come on, sir, raise that hand. Come on, man, raise that hand. You have value. He loves you just like you are. I want to see hands all over the building here. Come on, Midtown. Come on, Boverde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome, guys. All right, you can put your hands down now. I'm going to pray a simple prayer of surrender, and I invite everybody that's watching to pray this prayer along with me in your own words. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. On this amazing, best weekend ever, 2021, I'm starting over, God, and I'm following you. (laughs) I invite you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. Forgive me for my sins, Lord. I repent today. Make my life clean like only you can. Lord Jesus, fill me with your love. Fill me with hope. Fill me with your spirit. Thank you for extending grace and mercy to me today. Jesus, I need you. And I'm making a fresh start today. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you gave your life for me and that you rose from the grave. And today I'm starting over and I'm following you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said amen. Amen, amen. Hey, if you don't mind, remain seated for the next few moments. But before our service hosts come to the stage, would you all do me a favor? Midtown, Bulverde, Stone Oak, make some noise for everybody who took that step of faith. Come on. Yeah.